Good morning. My name is Ethan Heineman. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. It's Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. And they did so, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word today. Uh, Thank you that it guides us and it moves us, it challenges us, it heals us. Uh, You sent your word to heal us. God, I pray today that your word would do all that it was set out to accomplish to do in Jesus name. Amen. 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 You can be seated today. Well, I'm excited to share with you this morning an update uh, concerning uh, our vision for multiplication here at Good News Church. And uh, the title of my message today is quite simple. God's kingdom comes in small packages. God's kingdom comes in in small packages. We've been talking about God's kingdom uh, ever since we started this gospel of Luke. And I think it's a good idea this morning to just remind us all today what the kingdom of God is. It can feel really abstract. And, and, you know, we pray, God, your kingdom come and we're supposed to extend the kingdom, multiply it. What does that mean? Kingdom. Uh, The kingdom of God is not um, a piece of real estate. Uh, It is not a geographical location. You can't point to a piece of ground and say, there's the kingdom of God over there. The kingdom of God is this. It is simply God's rule and God's reign in the earth. Okay. So wherever you see Jesus ruling, the kingdom is. Let me put it this way. Wherever Jesus is Lord, the kingdom is. When Jesus said the kingdom of, uh, of heaven is near you, and then later he told the disciples the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is within you. In other words, when Jesus rules your life, rules within you, there the kingdom is. 
And so wherever you see God's rule in the earth taking place, where Jesus is Lord, that is where the kingdom is. So when you see somebody saved or somebody healed or somebody delivered or or somebody fed or somebody clothed or somebody visited in jail, there's the kingdom. There's the kingdom because Jesus is Lord right there in that situation. We are called to advance God's kingdom, God's rule, God's lordship in the earth. And uh, today's passage is a fantastic picture of how God's kingdom, his rule and his reign actually advances and multiplies in the earth. And what we see in this passage today that there are there are really two parts to God's kingdom being multiplied. There's God's part and then there's our part. And what's amazing to me is how we even have a part. I mean, come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, never mind. (laughs) There's God's part and there's our part. And God could do it without us, but he wants to do it through us, which is amazing. And that's what this passage here is all about. Uh, Jesus had been proclaiming the kingdom and he had been demonstrating the kingdom through all kinds of signs and wonders. And then he turns to his disciples one day and he says, "Okay, you've seen me do it. Now you. Now it's your turn to proclaim this kingdom. Now it's your turn to demonstrate the kingdom. And he calls his disciples together, the scripture says, at 930 on a Sunday morning. Come on. He calls them together. And the Bible says right here, we read it, verse 1. He gave them power and he gave them authority. And then he sent them out. But on their way out, he said some things to them. He said some actually very interesting things to them. And let me remind us all what he did say. Verse number three. He said to them this. Take nothing for your journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money. And do not have two tunics. Take nothing for your journey. What's going on here? What's the spirit of what Jesus is saying here? What's he wanting to communicate to? I think what he's wanting to say is this. Go as you are. Go as you are. Right? Travel light. Don't overpack. Right? How many of you go on a vacation and right? And you, you know, you come home and and you, you just used half of what was in your suitcase. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't overpack. Go as you are. Travel light. Don't overthink this thing. Right. Don't overcomplicate this thing. You know, this is the season families go on vacations. And and, and when our family goes on a vacation, we have those in our house that start packing two weeks before the vacation starts. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's you. Right. Come on. And you're proud of it. You know, you're proud of it. And then those of you who wait to like 20 minutes before you're supposed to leave. (laughs) Right. You love this passage. You're like, yeah. Yeah, travel light, just, you know, just let's go. Don't overthink this thing. But the planners in the house today, they're like, oh boy, I'm getting nervous. You know, I need more prep time. We need to think about this thing. We need to have all the steps laid out. We need to have a checklist. We need to download the Wonderlist app. You know, we've got to have everything really, you know, organized before we can actually go. And Jesus is saying in this passage, don't overthink this thing. Don't overcomplicate this thing called going. And don't focus on what you don't have. Go with what you do have. 
That's the spirit of this verse. And then verse four, he says, and whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. What's going on here? There's a whole lot of shaking going on, right? What's happening here? Don't get offended. Don't get offended when they don't receive the gospel. Keep in mind, they rejected me first, right? Don't get offended if they don't receive the gospel and don't waste your time, right? Move on to those who are hungry. Move on to those who are good ground. Move on to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. A couple Wednesday nights ago, uh, I went out with the, the Go Wednesday team and we went to Stinson Park and we were down there and had an amazing time. A lot of good ground, a lot of people receiving prayer, a lot of people receiving invitations to Good News Church. And uh, one gentleman, we said, hey, do you have a moment? He goes, what? What about? And <laughs> we said, well, you know, we're from Good News Church and we just wanted to uh, invite you to come and, and experience the good news of, of Jesus. And he goes, he said, you know, the church... And Christians are all racists. That's what he said. And it broke my heart. And I wish we could have had some more time with this man. Because um, he's obviously never been to Good News Church. (laughs) And I want him to experience the good news that's for all people. You know, uh, but in his mind, he's had some experiences. He's heard some things. Right. And so there was this wall up um, and and we could have tried to chase him down and beat down that wall. But but we couldn't. We just had to let him go and then just keep on moving and find people who are hungry, find people who the Holy Spirit is working in. And that's the spirit behind this here is don't get offended when people don't receive the gospel. It will happen. It will happen. So Jesus called them together at 930 on a Sunday morning. He gave them power and authority, right? He sent them out and he said some words, gave them some instructions. And the Bible said the next thing that happened is very important. It says they departed. They departed. And I'm glad this morning that this is not the eternal service. It will have a departure date, a departure time. We're hoping the date's today, and we're hoping the time is not too far away. But Scripture says here that the disciples, they actually, they departed, they left, right? Nothing else matters, church, if we miss this final step. We could be called together. We could be filled with power and authority. We could be given instructions about how to go about doing this thing. We could be sent out. But if we don't depart, the kingdom of God will not multiply. It will not. And this is why God is speaking so strongly to to Good News Church about about going. It's time to go. It's time to multiply. It's time to take this message of the good news and, and, and take it into our spheres of influence. This church has been about addition for so many years, adding services and adding staff and adding buildings. And, and God loves addition. He added to their number daily those who were being saved. But God is not satisfied with addition. He wants multiplication. He wants to multiply his mission on the earth. And it's God's will that every unchurched and every unreached person on the planet have an opportunity to hear this gospel. And these disciples, they they heard it and they said, let's do this thing. Let's go. And they departed. And the Bible says that the word, the good news began to spread. I love this. The good news began to spread. These apostles, they went out preaching the good news of the kingdom of Jesus is Lord. 
Right? That's what the kingdom is. That's what the gospel is. Jesus is Lord. They begin to proclaim that. They begin to demonstrate that he's Lord over demons and he's Lord over sickness. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And this news spread all throughout Galilee, all the villages throughout Galilee. There were hundreds of them. We don't know how long it took for them to spread and proclaim this message. It may have taken weeks. It may have taken several months. The scripture doesn't tell us. But they went out and they began to proclaim this. And the scripture says that even Herod, he heard about all these things. He heard about all these things that not Jesus was doing, but all these things that these apostles were doing. Word got to him and he was troubled. He was perplexed because he thought he took care of that when he killed John the Baptist. He thought that the teachings of John the Baptist stopped when his head was chopped off. And now he's beginning to realize that the teachings of John the Baptist actually began to spread and became this this actually this movement now. It's just spreading like crazy. And so he's very interested now. Okay, I need to meet with this Jesus now. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I love that. I love it. Now we got these high powered people who want to know who Jesus is. And then the Bible says this, that the apostles, they came back to Jesus and they began to report all that was going on. And can you imagine? They're probably pretty exhausted after weeks or months of, of ministry and they come back to Jesus. They're really excited to give a report of everything that's happening. And Jesus says, you guys look exhausted. We need to get some rest. I love how Mark's translation puts it. Um, It says this. It says that uh, one of my favorite verses, Jesus says to his disciples, come away with me to a solitary place. Come on, introverts. Come away with me to a solitary place. I would have made a good disciple (laughs) and let's get some rest. And so that's what they did. And if you read it in, in one of the other gospels, they literally got into a boat. Jesus and his apostles, they got in a boat and they started to sail towards Bethsaida. And on their way, uh, or as they get into the boat, rather, the the crowds, uh, they've got some spies out there. They're spying on the disciples and Jesus, maybe. And they and they they saw Jesus and his disciples try to get away and go on vacation. Right. And and they saw that and they told the crowd about it. And so the crowd shows up and now there's this boat out on the water heading to Bethsaida. I think it's about 12 miles. And the crowd is literally following Jesus from the shore. They're running alongside as the boat's going. They're going, you know, I can just imagine the disciples are saying, duck down in the boat. We don't want anybody to recognize our faces. You know, you know, turn off your phones. We're on vacation, you know. Don't want to be interrupted. And, and, and this crowd is so hungry, right? For good news that they, they on foot, they follow Jesus some 12 miles and they, 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 uh, they, they meet him at Bethsaida. They meet him and, and Jesus gets out of the boat with his disciples, right? And uh, all kinds of people there. Uh, we know there's at least 5,000 men there and it could be well over 10,000 people in the crowd that day. Can you imagine that? 10,000 people running along the shore, you know, following this boat, you know, I mean, just, just think about it. this happened. It really happened. And they get out, you know, and Jesus, you know, he has compassion on them. He doesn't say, hey, you know, I'm on vacation for the next seven days and you come back and, you know, well, you go all home. No, he has compassion. He begins to teach them. He begins to heal them. And the Bible says that the day, the, the day began to wear away. Uh, uh, it's past dinner time. It's starting to become dark. And uh, the disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, the time service is over two hours ago, you know, 
send these people away. Send them to the nearby villages so they can, you know, go by and get something to eat. And Jesus says, says, we can't do that. Jesus says, we can't do that. You know, McDonald's is over 2,000 years away. We can't do that. (laughs) And then he says something very profound. He says, he says, I want you to give them something to eat. Think about it. Twelve guys. Jesus says, I want you to give over 10,000 people something to eat. Jesus is saying, I want you to feed the multitudes. How many of you know there are multitudes and multitudes of people in this city, around the world, that need to be fed? They need to be fed the bread from heaven. They need to hear about Jesus. Don't send them away. Tell them, you go figure it out. Go find it somewhere else. No, Jesus says to the 12, you feed the over 10,000. Where are we going to get all this? How are we going to do this? Jesus says, well, what do you have? What do you have? And, and apparently there was a boy nearby. If you read it in the other gospels, there's this small boy who has his lunch, right? Five loaves, two fish. And he offers them to Jesus and and Jesus takes them. And then he says something very interesting. He says, okay, all right, this is enough. I want you to do this. I want you to organize these 10,000 plus people into groups of 50s. And in another gospel, it says 50s and 100s. So what's happening here is Jesus is saying, there's a miracle that's about to take place, but you have to get organized for the miracle. All right. Now, all of those of you who love administration and love closet organizers and all that kind of crazy stuff, um, you love this thing. You're like, yes, let's get organized. Right. Let's have people sit down. Why is this so important? Think about this for a moment. What if we didn't have any aisles here? Right. And all we had was everybody was sitting on the floor all over the place. How long would it take for us to serve communion? It'd take forever, right? How long would it take if I brought my happy breakfast meal or whatever this morning, my, you know, bacon, egg and cheese biscuit, and I had it here this morning, you know, and that's all I had. And I said, I said to 500 people and I said, hey, it's breakfast time. Come get it. What would happen? I would, I would die. I would get run over. (laughs) You know, I mean, it'd be chaos. Nobody would get fed. Nothing would happen, right? Multiply that. Now, over 10,000 people, Jesus is saying, hey, if this is going to work, we've got to get organized for this. All right. And so he has them sit in groups of 50s and 100s. And then he takes the fish and the loaves and he gives thanks. And he asks for the blessing of God on it. How I many of you know when, when God blesses something small, it can become something big really, really fast? Are you with me? And so he asks for this blessing over it. And then he gives the fish and the loaves, the, the, the five loaves and the few fish, and he gives them to the disciples. And then scripture says the disciples then began to distribute. Right. And here's what's interesting to me here is the miracle took place not in the hands of Jesus. The multiplication didn't take place in the hands of Jesus. The multiplication took place in the hands of the disciples. As the disciples gave, it multiplied. You know, they were carrying around these baskets and they'd pull some out and then more would appear and they'd pull it out and more would appear. God did this miracle in the hands of these disciples. And scripture says everyone was satisfied. And if you go to the Greek word satisfied, you'll, you'll, under, you'll discover that it's like, like stuffed. All right, like Thanksgiving stuffed. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't have room for any more. And then they had 12 basketfuls left over. I mean, these people didn't just get a little bite to just, you know, help them out just for the next few. I mean, they they got a meal. How many of you know when God serves breakfast, man, it's it's, you know, we went to uh, Istanbul, Turkey a few months ago and we had Turkish breakfast. And the entire table is just food everywhere. It's worth the $800 plane ticket to Istanbul. (laughs) Unbelievable, you know, and we were satisfied. They were satisfied that day. Here's what we need to see in this passage. Before God can do a big thing, we must do a small thing first. Before God can do a big thing, how many of you believe God wants to do big things? We always pray, oh, God, show up. God, do a big thing. And he goes, you first. You give what small thing you have first. God's big begins with your small. And here we have a small boy, a small lunch. And I can just imagine the boy running out the door that morning saying, hey, mom, I'll be home before dark. And that was back in the day when you could do that, right? <laughs> How many of you remember those days, right? You know, none of this. Text me every 10 minutes. Tell me where you are, who you're with, you know. And he's on his way out the door and she goes, wait, wait, wait. Don't forget your lunch. Here's your PBJ, Right. Here's your, here's your five loves, two fish. And he's off and he's running this boy. I mean, we don't know exactly if that's what happened. but So now he's in the middle of this crowd and he's right there with Jesus. He hears Jesus and they're like, what do you have? And the disciples are like, well, we don't have anything. You know, we don't have nothing. And this boy says, well, I've got something. You know, I, I've got this small thing, right? God wanted to do a big thing that day, but somebody needed to do a small thing first. And this boy came forward in this childlike faith and he says, here's what I have. <laughs> It's not much. You know, he could have said, you know, um, I, it's really nothing, you know, and, and not even bring it up. Or he could have been back there eating his peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, thinking, you know, if this is the only thing that's out here. I better take I better eat it because I don't know when my next. He, he brings what he has. He takes what he has in his hand and he offers it to Jesus. And that's childlike faith. Before God can do a big thing. We must do a small thing first. See, God's kingdom comes in small packages. God's kingdom is planted one small seed at a time, one small lunch, one jug of oil, one small conversation. That's how the kingdom advances. God's kingdom comes in small packages. He's not looking for you to be the next Billy Graham. Some of you are like, so glad, right? He's looking for you to be you. He only created one of you. And he's called you to be you. And don't try to be somebody else. Because if you do, you're lying. You're trespassing. You're stealing. (laughs) Not a lot of amens. God can't use that. God can only use you. The real you. The small you. (laughs) Just a few fish and loaves you. That's, That's what God uses. God's kingdom comes, it's delivered through small packages. And your pastor and your pastors are evidence of that today. All of us are small packages. We're small packages. Before God can do a big thing here at Good News, we have to do a small thing first. It starts with where you're at. It starts with what you have, not what you don't have. Bring what you have. Do you have a voice? Can you invite somebody to good news? You know, there are, are 
I would venture to say nearly a hundred or maybe even more women here at Good News Church because somebody used their voice and invited them to a real women's conference. There's a lot of women here for that reason. Somebody invited them. Can I tell you, you have the power. You have, the Bible says there is life and there is death and the power of the tongue. Your small encouragement, your small invitation can mean life. Right? God wants to do a big thing in someone's life, but he's asking you to do something small. A word of encouragement, an invitation. Who is it today that, man, you can life today with your words? Some of you can cook. See me after church. I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> Don't have any plans today, you know. I'm teasing. All right. And you use that, like Jenny Johnson in the outreach downtown. She's like, well, here's my small lunch. It's not much. I can do this, right? English isn't my first language, but I can cook. I can love this way. I can advance the kingdom, multiply the kingdom. God has put something in everybody's hand. Every one of you is a 10 in something. What has God put into your hand? There's a gentleman in our church. God's put keys in his hand, literally. He has the ability to... to to do locksmith stuff and retool, rekey buildings and all that kind of stuff. And we had a need. We wanted to get our system here at the church all lined up and rekey everything. And it was going to be about $8,000 bill. And he heard about it and he goes, well, I can do that. In fact, not only will I rekey the whole building, I'll donate all the hardware. Right? What did he have? Small lunch. He said, this is what I have. This is what I can give. Right? He didn't say, Pastor, I got a word. I want to preach this Sunday. Right? I probably would have let him. <laughs> I'd say, praise God, you're an answer to prayer. Get up here. <laughs> you know? What do you have? What's God put into your hand? You're like, well, I'm this or I'm that. How can God use that? The boy could have hid the lunch and said, well, I'm not going to bring this. This would be really foolish. You know, I bring this. Jesus is going to say, that peanut butter. Jo- what are you thinking? There's 10,000 people here. You think I'm going to do something with that? Right? I think that's why the boy gave the lunch. And it wouldn't surprise me if one of the disciples had a lunch too. I wouldn't surprise me. And he just hit it and said, no, 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 this is too small. God can't use this. Before God can do a big thing, you must do a small thing first. What small thing do you need to offer up to Jesus today that he can do a big thing with? Some of you have been hiding your light. You've been hiding your gift, Right? And you're like, man, I want to do something that matters. Praise God. God. <laughs> right? I mean, how's this thing going to multiply? Well, a pastor would just preach a little shorter. Things would multiply. <laughs> I wouldn't disagree with that. You know? Right? We all have this idea. What's in your hand? I know what's in my hand. I know what I'm responsible for. What are you responsible? What's in your hand? Roxy Cavey said this. He said, my purpose every day is to experience the kingdom of God and to extend the kingdom of God. I want to fully live in it and I want to share it with other people. Um, a couple years ago, an elderly refugee woman. I don't even remember where she where she's from. I'd never met her before. She didn't speak English. She came up to me after service and she handed me an envelope and it had the word pastor on it. Uh, and it was spelled incorrectly and, you know. She's just doing her best. She's doing what she can. And it was Pastor Appreciation Month, and I wasn't expecting anything. We don't take up an offering for me. That's always for our other our, our pastoral team. 
And she gives me this envelope, and I, I go back to my office. I open this envelope. My wife's there, and open this envelope, and there's a $5 bill in this envelope. My wife and I just began to weep because this woman, she just gave what she had. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like, let's go on vacation kind of money. <laughs> but for her, it may have been. And it's what God had put into her hand, and she just wanted it to be a blessing in the kingdom. And, and that's what she did. You know, and, and I, don't, I don't know what God's put in your hand. That I know he's given everybody something. If you have a job, he's given you a resource. He's given you dollars. And, and maybe you're like, well, it doesn't really matter. My gift doesn't matter. Let me tell you, you put all the gifts in this house together, all the resources, all the lunches together. Let me tell you, we're going to feed the multitudes in Omaha, Nebraska. God's going to do such a big thing here. And people are going to say, how did that happen? And we're going to say, we gave, some, we gave this small thing first. Everybody did a small thing. Everybody had a part in it. One of my favorite movies uh, in uh, 2017 is the movie Hidden Figures. How many of you remember that movie, Hidden Figures? Great movie, great movie. Um, if we had time, I'd show you the movie trailer. It's so good. Um, go watch it after class. Okay. Um, so right before there was Microsoft and Apple to compute difficult mathematical equations, there were people. And those people were called computers. And here are three brilliant and unsuspecting African-American women at NASA served as the brains or the computers behind one of the greatest space operations in history. They were preparing to launch the launch of astronaut John Glenn into orbit. Uh, and it was a stunning achievement of that day, and it restored the nation's confidence in the space race, and it really gal- galvanized the entire world. Uh, it was very, very powerful, uh, and it happened because of these three women. They were hidden figures who brought the good news that the mission could be accomplished. How many of you know God always delivers the good news through hidden figures? Always through hidden figures. You know, we learned last week the demoniac who had only been delivered for a few hours, right? He wanted to sit at Jesus' feet and just follow him around. And, and Jesus said, no, uh, I want you to go and proclaim the message. You're a hidden figure. I want you to go, right? The shepherds, right? The shepherds on the hillside of Bethlehem, they were the first to hear the good news. And they were the first to proclaim the good news. And I'm so glad that on the way back to their shepherding, they didn't stop and say, you know what? Um, I love this. I can't think of anything else I'd rather do with my life than go to Bible college and become a pastor. (laughs) They didn't say that. They didn't do that. They went back to their fields. When you depart from here today, I'm saying go back to your fields. Proclaim simple words of encouragement. How can I pray for you? Can I tell you my story? Can I give you an invitation to good news? Go out there and proclaim the good news. Can I tell you the shepherds didn't leave shepherding to go into ministry. They didn't leave their ministry to go into the ministry. And I think a lot of people today, they're leaving ministry to go into ministry. And God's saying, you've got a ministry right where you're at. You just need to be equipped and empowered and do it. What has God put into your hands? Imagine with me this boy who gave his lunch that day. Imagine him growing up to be a young adult and... Meeting the, the girl of his dreams, getting married, and beginning a family of his own and sitting down with his son one day. And his son asked, Dad, tell me the story again. Tell me the story again when you, when you met Jesus that day and you gave your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Tell me what happened. 
Dad tells the story. Dad, what did you learn that day? Tell me, what did you learn? And his dad may have said something like, before God can do a big thing, we must do a small thing first. What a powerful lesson that we can learn from the story today. God is wanting to do something really, really big through this place called Good News. Can you say amen to that? Something big, something bigger than one person, bigger than all of us. And he's leading us to go and to multiply the mission here um, in our city and around the world. And the reason why God wants us to multiply is so we can be a mega church. Oh, good. I'm glad, you've, I'm glad you disagree with that. I do, too. It's not to add people. It's not to add, add you know, numbers. What is it? It's so, that, it's so that the nations will bow down and worship Jesus Christ as Lord. It's for the worship of Jesus. It's for the worship of Jesus. We desire that every unchurched and, and every unreached person on this planet becomes a worshiper of Jesus. Where they say, Jesus is Lord. That's our desire. How are we going to multiply? There's two basic ways to multiply churches. We shared this back in January. Uh, here's a refresher course. Uh, two basic ways to multiply churches. We can plant a brand new church. Or we can launch a new campus. Okay? You plant a brand new church. That, that means you, you, you send a church planner out somewhere. They begin a brand new work, new name, new church. Has its own focus. Has its own you know, part in the body of Christ. Or we can launch a new campus. A new campus is simply um, one church in multiple locations. And we believe that God is, is calling us to launch a new campus here in the Omaha metro area where we are one church in multiple locations. Just like the University of Nebraska is one university, has four locations. Okay? We believe God's leading us to do the same thing. Now, to do that, we need two very, very important things up front. We need a leader and we need a location. Okay, we need a leader and we need a location. So the first question that we've been asking is, who will go for us? Who will lead this other campus? Who will do this? And it's a question that, uh, that God asked the prophet Isaiah um, back, way back when. And, and God asked the question, who will go for us? Who can I send? And Isaiah raised his hand and volunteered. He said, here I am. Send me. Here am I, send me. So we've been asking the same question. Who will go for us? Someone needs to go and lead our campus. Who will go? Well, this morning, I'm very pleased to announce to you that Pastor Jason and Carissa Carter have said, here am I, send me. We're going to go. Let's lead this thing. And we're super stoked. <laughs> I love it. Does that mean we're getting rid of Pastor Jason and Carissa? That was Pastor Jason, by the way, if that picked up in the recording. We've got to remember, we are one church in multiple locations. We are one team in multiple locations. You know, somebody came to me after service, you know, who's going to preach? Who's going to lead worship? Um, and I'm going to say the same thing. We, we, are, we're, we, we preach as a team here at Good News. And if you haven't noticed that, you know, you're just coming when I'm preaching. Uh, and, you know, who leads worship here? We do worship as a team here. It's team-led. So preaching will be team. Worship leading will be team. 
They're not going away. We're going to see each other a lot. We're just, we're going to be at different campuses uh, for a majority part of the time. But we are one team. We are one church in multiple locations. I'm excited about Jason and Carissa because they've been with us for 11 years now. Uh, they, they have the DNA of good news. They value what we value. They share the same vision and mission. Um, there's so much trust I have in them. There's so much respect. There's so much leadership equity there. And there's a calling. There's an apostolic calling on them. Um, when I say that, that means this. The word apostle means sent one. Sent one. Okay? We just read about it. Jesus called the 12 together and he, he sent them out. Why? Because that was their calling. They, they, they were apostles. They had an apostolic anointing to go and start new works. Okay? And that anointing, that calling is on Pastor Jason and Carissa. And we recognize that. They may carry the term pastor in front of their name, right? But really, their anointing, their calling is more apostolic in nature. And so Pastor Jason has started up a number of things here at the church over the last 11 years, and we see God all over that. And so we're so excited about them going and doing this. Uh, And before Jason comes and shares just a little bit, um, a couple other quick things. You're probably asking, okay, where's the location? We know the leader. What about the location? I want to show you a map. This is um, of the Omaha Metro. And what we've done is we've divided the Omaha Metro into four quadrants there. uh, 72nd Street, pretty much north and south, and then Pacific Street. And guess who happens to be right in the middle? (laughs) You, right here, right now. Right, 7415 Hickory. And, and we envision, you know, launching out from this, this uh, first location. And the question we've been asking, God, where? God, where? And we sense in our spirit that God is leading us to the northwest quadrant. Okay, if you're directionally challenged, it's between 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock. <laughs> if you need further help, go to the information center after the service okay so the northwest why we see need we see opportunity uh we recognize there's a lot of small groups in that area uh for this to happen it's going to take our small groups buy-in all in on that and you might say well i don't live in that northwest area i guess this doesn't affect me yeah we're not gonna let you off the hook that quick all right this is everybody everybody bringing their their lunch Okay, everybody involved, and we're going to be giving you more information on that in the future. Now, we may come back to you in six weeks and say, hey, you know what? Um, Looks like God has opened up a God-sized opportunity southwest. And I believe you're flexible enough to say, okay, Lord. You know, if somebody comes up and says, hey, I've got a a $4 million building I'd like to donate in the southwest quadrant, we're going to go, no, no, that's not God. We're not going there. (laughs) You know what I mean? If God breathes, we're going, you know? Um, Paul, when he went on a second missionary journey, all he knew was go, go to the Gentile world. And so he started going, boom, he ran into this door. Well, that must not be it. And boom, he hit another door and pretty soon God opened a door through a dream. And he went through that one and the man in Macedonia, right? And the Macedonians heard the good news. So we're looking for those open doors. We sense it's in the Northwest. Be praying with us about that. We're hoping to have our first service on Easter Sunday of 2019 next year. That gives us enough time to, to, to uh, you know, get everybody in groups of 50s and 100s and get organized for the miracle that God's going to do. So over the next six weeks, let me give you an idea of what's going to happen. This Wednesday night, we're going to pray into this. So please come this Wednesday. Be part of that. The following week, the, Car- the Carters will be on vacation. Do not chase them. 
Do not run after them, right? Uh, let them be, let them rest. They'll come back, and when they do, they're going to meet with our pastors and our directors here, and we are going to, to finalize what exactly we need in that launch team that you could be part of. Um, Pastor Jason will then be preaching in August, and he'll be sharing a little bit more about the strategy of that launch team. Excited about that. And by September of this year, we hope to confirm the location, know exactly what area of the city. We'd love to have a venue narrowed down and also a budget, what that's going to look like, and then start training our launch team. So uh, things are moving very quickly here. We don't have it all figured out, um, but we are going to, in the spirit of um, don't overthink this thing, don't overpack, right? In the spirit of that, we're moving forward. We're going. We'll, we'll tell you what we know, and we'll be honest about what we don't know, okay? And we'll trust that God is going to lead us each step of the way. Pastor Jason, please come and share your heart with us. All right, that's it. So we, we are excited, and it's so funny because 11 and a half years ago, we, well, about 11 years ago, we showed up in January. So if, if the winter doesn't run you off, you know you're supposed to be in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and I, it, it's such an honor uh, to be part of a staff. Pastor Walt and our team were like family. Uh, and then to be part of the good news body is really incredible. We've, we've known so many of you guys and, and worked with and prayed for and ministered with and done things with. So it really is a tremendous honor to be able to stand here and say that we get to be part of the multiplication of what God is doing through good news. Um, and to be honest with you, God has spoken. He, he gave dreams three years ago and two years ago explaining what was going to take place. We just didn't know what it looked like. We didn't know what it meant at the time, but God has been ordering things all along. And I don't know good news. If you've ever really paid attention to what is taking place in our church, when you look around, we're like no other church in Omaha. When the spirit of God moves here, when people from other places come in, they go, I can feel God's presence here. There's some things that need to be multiplied. It's always God-led, God-inspired, right? But it's always expressed through the body. And so we're excited. We love equipping and developing. We love, we're we're going to be the same church in two locations, but it is for multiplication. It is to, to spread the good news of Christ, and it is to, to build up the body because we feel like if we can empower people, we empower the kingdom and its release. So we're excited. Love you guys. Thank you for your support. Can't wait to see what God's going to do. Thank you. We're just going to close this service today just with this song again. And you can stand. It really is our prayer. Um, This is so much bigger than the two of us. This is, this is what God wants to do for good news and, and for the leadership team. And so we're just simply saying, God, whatever it is, whatever we have, multiply it, whatever that looks like for us. So before we leave today, can we just solidify in prayer again with this course of just, I surrender, whatever it is, Lord, make me a new vessel. So
much. We say, God, you have given each one of us something small that you want to do something big with. And God, we put it in front of us um, and we, we give it to you. Um, we're not going to hide it. We're not going to say, God, it's so small. It's so insignificant. What could you do with that? We're not going to keep it for ourselves and eat it for ourselves. God, we're, we're bringing it to you today. Um, and inside these hands, God, there, there are gifts, uh, there are talents, there are resources. There are all kinds of things, the gift of faith, the gift of healing. God, they're, they're just simple, small little things that we would think, um, God, you could never use that. God, we bring that to you. We give it to you today. And we say, Lord, use our lunch. We give it to you. We give it to you today. I want you to envision, imagine with me, what could that lunch look like for you? What is that small lunch? I give that to you. I give you that that skill that I have to build things, to feed people, to pray for people. I give you that ability that I have to earn money. I give that to you. God, use the resources to build your kingdom. God, we believe you're wanting to do something big. And we're here saying, God, we say yes to our small part. Multiply the mission through good news, God. God, we say, continue to direct us to the right location, to the venue. God, we ask that you would you would bring together this core launch team. God, I pray that you would continue to show us how to get organized for this miracle, God, that you're wanting to do here in Omaha. And Lord, it's it's so much bigger than the lost people in Omaha or the lost people in the nations, God. It's about the worship of Jesus. God, we're doing this because you are worthy to be worshipped by every unreached and every unchurched person on this planet. And God, I thank you that you're going to do a miracle, a miracle of multiplication through your church. We commit it into your hands, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's give a hand to the Lord who's worthy of all praise. God, thank you. God. You know, after the last service, I had multiple people coming up to me and saying, um, this is what God has put in my hands. This is what God has put into my hands. And, and all kinds of very different things. And uh, I love that. I love that spirit of God that we want to do our part. So um, don't come to me. Go to Pastor Jason and Carissa with all that. Would you? <laughs> uh, you're welcome to come. Uh, I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come at this time. Um, you're here today, and man, you, you, there's a big need in your life. Our encouragement is don't leave. Don't depart until somebody prays with you. Uh, maybe you're facing some medical news or maybe some relational news that is not good news. And we believe God wants to do something there. He wants to turn that around into some really, really good news. So we want to pray and declare Jesus is Lord over your situation. If you're not born again here today, which simply means if uh, if Jesus isn't your Lord, if he's not your Savior, then we want to pray with you today. Feel free to come down and we'd love to do that. Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you this Wednesday night at prayer meeting or at one of our small groups.